We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys know where to follow me at Mike Dugar, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at C-K-I-D-D-206. And that is C-Kidd206. All right. Also, shout out to the YouTube uh, as well seahawks man to man that's the number two man uh on youtube uh shout out to everyone who's been subscribing there um we really appreciate that all that love shout out to our last guest our last couple guests on the youtube uh matt barrows uh, covers the 49ers and the homie ben baller as well i am speaking to you from uh a hotel in san jose california because i just watched the seahawks uh put up zero points on offense in a 27 to 7 loss to the 49ers uh i did not think they would get boat raced like they did. Uh, shout out to uh, Greg Bell to Tacoma News Tribune. No, he did. Sometimes what I'll do in the press box, a little behind the scenes, I'll just go down the, the row and just, who you got today? Who you got today? Who you got today? Everybody, I think everyone had the Niners, um, but no one, everyone had it close. Like I asked Greg, he was sitting next to me today. I let me think, Greg, he was like, oh, 49ers, beat down. I said, really? That was crazy. This was like right at kickoff, too. It just, boy, Greg, Greg was on to something today. Um, Oh, also, I'm going to throw this in here, too, since we're talking about it. But it's not going to be a whole Greg Bell podcast. But shout out to Greg. So Debo Debo Samuel had like a 51-yard run in the first or second quarter. Before that snap, I kid you not, Greg was like, Debo Samuel was about to run it for 62 yards. I was like, what the hell? I turned to him. Uh, Debo breaks that shit. Me and Larry Stone in Seattle Times is looking like, yo, Greg, what? What world are you? How did you do that? Like, think about that. It'd just be like, yep, this is a 62-yard run coming, and it ends up being 51. That was that was pretty crazy. But of a, it was it's funny, Chris. I was just talking to somebody on the Seahawks coaching staff um, the other day, and they were asking me what I thought about uh, the Monday game. And I was like, oh, I was a pretty surprise. I thought you guys were going to lose. You know, we, were, we me and the coach, were, uh, this particular coach, were going over um, why I thought they were going to lose. And... Uh, he he at some point said, oh, you thought we were going to get like blown out. You didn't think we could 
could hang with Denver. And I was like, no, 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 no. I think the style of, of play that Pete wants you guys to have won't really lend itself to a lot of blowouts. I think for the most part, you guys will be in every game. And I was kind of going through some of the games where they did get blown out. Uh, the, Ra- the Ravens game in 2019 got kind of ugly. Uh, the Packers game were rushed through a bunch of picks. Like, there's usually some funky stuff. One of those Saints games in 2019 wasn't particularly close. Um, but usually you get a lot of turnovers, some wacky stuff, special teams, touchdowns can can do that. I was like, with Geno there, the way the defense is, you usually shouldn't get blown out um, with this style of, of, of play. Boy, that was – that was wrong, Chris. That was wrong with me, because <laughs> it was twenty-seven to seven, and it was—it don't even feel like it was that close. Like it wasn't. It was, it was a blocked kick, blocked field goal. Uh, how do I want to say it? it's a field goal return for a touchdown away from getting skunked, and that is that is that is thirty nothing skunk too. That could have been ugly, fast, and man that uh, this is it it's not time to panic quite yet but boy this was this was pretty embarrassing disappointing deflating all the all the words you can probably think of yeah we talked about it off wax it's very hard to not score everything has to go wrong we looked at the first game against the broncos and you can nitpick and say bro they fumbled twice two times at the one yard line and the seahawks Really didn't do anything special after that. It wasn't as if they went 99 yards and scored a touchdown and stamped it like we're we're here. They didn't do that. And then you look at Sunday's game against the Niners. They didn't do anything impressive. Nothing looked good to think. Damn, this this team is really. They have something in mind. Everyone wrote them off. They didn't need to write. They did need to write back. Well, they didn't write back at all today. There was no, there was nothing that stood out and made you believe, damn, this team could definitely win some games. They lose their court. They the 49ers lose their starting quarterback early in the game. How the Seahawks respond? Jimmy G comes in and looks just like Jimmy G as you would expect him to. Keeps the offense on the field. They score points. He just does the little things. Unfortunately, the Seahawks had no counter. The Se- Quandre said it in the post game. We knew what they were going to do, and they couldn't execute on defense and stop it. That is a problem. You know what's coming, and then you still can't stop it? Hey, Mike, I know they're going to run this play on you, and they still complete it on you, Mike? That's a problem. <laughs> and we yeah, saw over, that over, time over again. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We saw that time and time again. The halfback toss, bruh, those tackles were destroying linebackers and corners and safeties. It was mayhem on the field. Every time there was a toss, I think it netted seven plus yards each time. <laughs> and I'm and I'm thinking, damn, they're not ready for this. No one was prepared. Everyone says they knew what was happening, but then the, to go and execute it, you didn't see it. Yeah, that was so. I think there's a lot of things when you lose by twenty, a lot of things have to go wrong. But the reason that we need to start with the offense, which is what's on the screen right now, where is the offense? Dog, it takes a lot of effort to score zero points, especially with the, the kickers in today's game. Like to not score any points means for the you were either turning the ball over like crazy or you were just pretty much trash on offense because you couldn't even get within. I think once you get within like the 38-yard line in the NFL, you're likely to score some type of points. The Seahawks, since the first half against Denver, have scored zero points. By my count, they've had 12 full possessions. So I'm I'm, I'm getting rid of the uh, the, the kneel down uh, to end the Denver game. 12 full possessions, 
three against Denver in the second half, nine, I think today it was the, the number. They've got, they've crossed midfield three times. Midfield three times. Fam, I'm just looking at the first half possessions. First possession, punt. Second possession, punt. Is it today? This is today, Sunday against the Niners. Third possession, interception. My man Gino didn't look nobody off. He just tried to throw it right to, I think it was Lockett over the middle. Yeah, How uh, to a Funga tipped it up into the air. Interception. Fourth, another turnover. That's when Dallas. That's when they try to get tricky. Dallas decides to just throw it in the end zone, and the corner sinks right underneath. Interception. Hawks fifth possession. Eh, it doesn't really matter. They go into the half down twenty nothing. <laughs> that first half embarrassing from play calling to execution. They didn't do anything right. Only thing they did was just put the pads on and show up. That's all they did right. They just they played the game. They didn't quit. They they put on the pads and they walked out there and played. But boy, they did not do anything after that. It was bad from play calling to execution. We talked about it. Numerous on the, we talked about it, I think, two years ago during COVID. We were talking about how can you get DK more involved? Simple thing is move the guy around, bring him in motion, get him moving. Maybe a quick screen, a quick pass to him on the line of scrimmage so he can just no, no screens. more. No screens. No okay, screens. no screens. You're done with screens. I'll a quick, just a quick pass to DK at the line of scrimmage, make him allow him to make a guy miss and see if he can get in the secondary, maybe score a touchdown. How many times did we see that today? None. There was nothing exciting about the play calling. It was very generic. DK, run a little seven-yard curl. DK, running out. I didn't see anything. Only thing that was explosive, and they got brought back, unfortunately, by Abe Lucas being the illegal man downfield, was a little trick play, flea flicker. I mean, it wasn't even a great play call. It was just like, you know, throw it up to DK, and damn, what does DK do? He makes plays. Well, what does that say? Keep giving the ball to DK. <laughs> Don't stop. If anything, hey, DK, you want to just run that again, and we'll just... We're not going to do a flea figure, obviously, but we'll just throw it up to you and we'll give you a chance to go make a play. That's what you have to do. Tyler Lockett, he got his targets, and Ty, I swear he always ends up having games where he's going to get 9, 10 targets and have 10, 12 catches. Awesome. But that needs to happen for DK as well. And also interesting to hear that Gino was saying at the end of, in the post game that, yeah, DK was doubled a lot. I don't care. <laughs> DK, throw it to him. Give him an opportunity. Six foot three, six four, can jump out the gym. Fast, probably the fastest dude on the field at that time. Give him an opportunity. We didn't see enough of that. And the run game was destroyed. Penny had six carries for 15 yards. That's correct. That's not going to win you anything. Get creative uh, no. within the run game. D. Eskridge, not even relevant. They don't know how to use him. Mike has talked about ad nauseum, but the Seahawks need a third wide receiver. Didn't see Goodwin out there. He didn't make. He didn't get an opportunity to play really, or he probably got snaps, but he no impactful snaps. Again, D. Eskridge, nada. So it's really DK and Tyler. Noah Fant had a couple of catches, but not impactful. What are we doing? What are the Seahawks doing offensively? Where are they trying to have explosives? Is it is Gino not seeing it? Is the pass protection not holding up? Are guys not where they're supposed to be on routes? What is going on so that to the point where you put up? Zero offensively because they did get a shout out to Tariq Woolen, not giving up, still fighting to the end of the game. 
But where's the offense, man? Where's your offense that's supposed to put up points? Their job is solely to score. <laughs> they get paid to put points on the board, and they don't do it. The defense, which I think I've even said on this show, yeah, the defense is going to have a game where they have a touchdown. Oh, well, damn, boy, did they do that special team that touchdown today? And they still end up getting smoked. <laughs> yeah, that was – yeah, the, the offense – so here's my thing on the offense today. Um, I can get to some specifics of some some plays or whatever, but I think generally speaking, this is a the type of game that was possible when you trade Russ. Like it's just you can you can have games like this when you. I mean, I guess the Broncos didn't play much better today on offense from what I read. They apparently got booed uh, today. That's what yes. that's what the homie Joe, Joe fan tweeted, and I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I saw the video. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that, that's crazy. A, this is the type of game you can have when you, you trade a Russell Wilson. Like, this is just possible. I know uh-huh. they scored zero in Green Bay without with Russ last year, but that was different. That was injured Russ, broken finger, whatever. The other thing is, this is the reason I have issue with the Pete Carroll, like, philosophy of, like, kind of go out there and have a quarterback who just needs to just kind of be in the middle of it and everything around him will elevate him. Like, in theory, that's fine. For example... That's exactly what the Niners did. <laughs> That's what the Niners did were, are great at. But that roster is loaded, man. Somehow Emmanuel Mosley is like an all-pro corner when he plays DK now. Because, Chris, if you remember, in 2020, DK hit the Niners for like 177 yeah. yards. <laughs> he had like 140 of those on Emmanuel Mosley. I remember like yeah. next year, Stats had the, had the tweet. I can probably go find it. He was barbecuing that dude. Since then... He is amazing now. Yeah, it's I don't know technique. He didn't got in the weight room. Maybe he was just maybe just like man, I'm not gonna gonna get embarrassed like that again. Maybe he's just pride. I don't know. Maybe I should ask him. But get Matt Barrows back on the podcast. Ask him. That's pretty crazy to me. Like that that that's kind of throwing me off. But in general, this is this is the issue with the philosophy. You can't just every game assume that. All right, we're gonna run the ball and then we're gonna get them into. Uh, one-on-one situations with our outside receivers because they're going to have to put an eighth guy in the box and then we're going to play action, pass it over their heads, and then our defense will get a bunch of stops and we'll win every game. Like That, in theory, is a plan, but that that's not going to work. You're going to have games. You're more likely than not going to have games like today where something kind of goes around, especially when you're playing a bunch of young guys. That's the other problem with that philosophy. That's cool if nothing goes wrong. You got yeah. young guys. There's a lot of young guys on the field today. Like, Look how many guys who had penalties today we're in their first or second year in the league. That, like, that's that's important. Uh, uh, I know Michael Jackson's not in his first or second, um, but like, uh, what Daryl Taylor had a couple penalties. Hey, oh, Lucas had, off sides, yeah. Lucas had two, I think. I think uh, Kobe Bryant had two. Um, that's six right there. I can't remember where the other ones came. I think Austin Blythe had one, and uh, can't can't remember what some of the other. Michael Jackson had a couple. But my point is. Pete's kind of philosophy is like it doesn't leave room for error. You know what I mean? Like you need a lot of shit to go right around your quarterback every game to be cool. And I just don't think you can rely on that, particularly with a really young team. Now, the Niners are good as hell. The Niners might mess around and go win the Super Bowl with Jimmy G now. It's really unfortunate to see Trey Lance get carted off with a broken ankle. It's really feel really bad for Trey. He hasn't just he hasn't played that much football. He's not going to get a chance to now with a broken ankle broken ankle but you're gonna run into teams who have good front sevens that have good coverage guys that have a good o-line or whatever 
and you're going to be down 10 nothing, or you're going to be down a couple scores in the third quarter. And you can't just play, well, once we establish the run, we can do everything else. Sometimes you're going to have to throw that thing, establish the pass sometimes. You're going to have to be able to do that. And when you can't, you get your ass kicked sometimes. Yeah, they uh, couldn't throw today. Yeah, that, because they're, everything starts with the run. Yeah. You know, the, the, the line of scrimmage, which makes sense. Games are won and lost the line of scrimmage by and large. But the line of scrimmage for, for the offense for Seattle is, all right, once we run, set up pass, throw. Pretty simple. Defense is the same thing. It's just kind of the inverse. Other defense are like, if we stop the run, we get them into some third and obvious passing situations. We unleash our guys. We play some sticky coverage. We'll get stops, win games. It's like generally the plan on both sides of the ball. Again, that sounds fine in theory. It's not stupid. But you got to be realistic with the personnel. How you say it, Chris? KYP sometimes. You know, know, know your personnel. Know who's out there. Sometimes. So I think that this is, this, is, this is the type of game that I was always worried about. I didn't think this would go that way, but I think when your whole thing is, all right, man, all Gino just got to do is not mess it up, and we'll go out there and handle the rest. Like, nah, man, sometimes you're going to need your guy to be like, hey, bro, go win us a game. Actually, I was actually just talking to uh, Marcus Thompson at the Athletic. Shout out to Marcus. Before the game, I was saying, like, even the Niners, when they went to the Super Bowl, um, basically doing Seattle's formula, they had some – even the uh, 2018 Rams as well, but I'm going to use the Niners as an example – there were games that Jimmy G had to go win for them yeah. against good teams. Like in particular, I remember Jimmy had to go win them that game against the Saints in New Orleans the year they went to the Super Bowl. You know, like Jimmy's had to to throw his way into some wins that, you know, you, you need a quarterback who can do that. And it can't just be go throw on some team with, some, you know, a terrible passing defense or whatever. No, sometimes you're going to have to buck up and throw on the other good teams in the league. Doesn't matter if they're double covering your best guy. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter if they're clouding the coverage to Tyler side or DK side or whatever. You just need to be able to function without having to rely on um, the run game. Like I get wanting to rely on it, but there's it's it's the NFL. Like they basically have no plan B. You know, if if that doesn't the run work. game sucks. Yeah. yeah. My my story today. I basically I, I I'm kind of stealing this analogy from Mike Sando. Um, shout out to my homie. I'm shouting out everybody on this podcast today, man. I hope these motherfuckers be shouting me out when they on microphone too. Uh, <laughs> I'm shouting out a ton of people all right now. But uh, I still have this analogy from my colleague, Mike Sando, he, where he's at on the run game as a concept, because, you know, we're kind of in this like war against the run game right now with analytics and running backs don't matter. His kind of thing is the he's a boxing guy, right? So he's like, think of the run game like the jab. You're not going to knock nobody out with the jab, really. For the most part. But what it does is it allows you to set up your opponent. So eventually you can knock bro out with the, you know, the hook, whatever. I don't know all the punches in boxing, but you get wrong with this, Chris. Without the run game, these guys are basically fighting with one hand, just trying to throw a bunch of haymakers with no setups. And it's just like you can't operate like that. But as sometimes you are going to have to just, hey, man, we ain't got time for no jabs. We need to knock this fool out right now. And they're just not built to do that just because I think it's a philosophy thing more than more than anything else. And um, who did I talk to after the game? I think it was Will Disley. Will was like, look, it sucked. We we got to remind ourselves this ain't college. We're not dead in the water after one loss. And Will is correct. But, boy, if they have Chris some more quarters where they don't score no points, they will be dead. They will be dead and go. I'm talking about real dead. Not like Tupac may be hiding in Cuba dead. I'm talking about 
real deal in the ground. Dirt dead. You cannot go out there and score no points, Chris. That is bad. They ain't scored the first half against Denver. That's a long time to not score points, bro. That's crazy. I like what you talked about with the not having the run game. You have to be able to throw the ball to your receivers. Take the pressure off the run game by having guys that can get open. And a team that when I've not, I'm not saying this Seahawks team is a direct copy of this team, but I look at the Minnesota Vikings, right? Because they have Dalvin Cook, who is one of the best running backs in the league, arguably, but they also have two really good wideouts. If for whatever reason that running game is stifled, you know what they can do? They can <laughs> Kirk Cousins, Jefferson, oh, wow. and, and Adam Thielen. <laughs> People sleep on Adam Thielen. They can throw the ball to those two guys, and they're going to make plays. And then they have Osborne. I think they still have Osborne. They have other players that can make plays and get the run game to get, you know, maybe respectable at least. Like, you're not going to just blitz us every time because guess what we can do? We can throw the football. The Seahawks have to find that rhythm where, okay, damn, we cannot complete the run game the way we want to. We are not being as physical as we need to, but we do have Tyler Lockett. The Seahawks do have Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Make it work. They have to find other ways to attack defenses when the defense knows we know you want to give the ball to Rashad Penny 10-plus times, 12-plus times a game. We know you want to get Kenneth Walker in there. We know you want to get DJ Dallas, Travis Homer. We get that. But once that gets shut out, DK, Tyler, they have to have their opportunity to make plays. And we didn't, and I didn't see that enough. Damn sure didn't see it enough because how many points they put up today? Zero. The offense was stale. Again, Ty Lockett, for the most part, he did his thing, but it wasn't impactful enough. It didn't lead to points. And that's where the problem is. And again, I use the Vikings as an example because I look at how they run their offense. It's through Dalvin Cook. Like They want to get him involved early. They want to run the football. That's just how that team is set up. Okay, cool. But if stuff is not working the way they want to, guess what they can do? They can attack outside. And I think a lot of people would say, DK is right there with Justin Jefferson. The ceiling is just as high. Unfortunately, oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. the ceiling is not, I would say, they're just not using him the same way, but they can. That is a team that they should really mold it like, damn. And I, I get it. They don't have Kirk Cousins at quarterback. They have Geno Smith. And maybe that's a limitation. Maybe they realize, damn, we can't throw it the way we want to because we have Geno, which is not a diss to Geno. It's just some throws you just can't make, right? So that's going to be interesting to see how they develop throughout the season. And can they rebound when, damn, we cannot find rhythm in the run game? But can they leave it? Not leave it. Can they figure it out? and get the passing game going because that's going to be key. You're down 10-0 and the run game's not working. You're going to have to throw the ball because guess what the defense is going to do? They're going to keep blitzing. They're going to keep having guys in the box. The safety's going to be dropping down. They're going to test you to throw the ball. And guess who you have outside? You have two really good wide receivers. Hopefully they can make it work. Yeah, the, the blueprint that they're kind of using is – is I use another team other than the 2019 Niners, although that is part of the blueprint. It's the 2018 Rams. They mm. had Jared Goff. They had Cooper Cup. Yeah, Robert Woods, and I, I'm missing a receiver that they had. I think Brandon Cooks. I think Cooks was on that team. Uh, and then they had Ty Gurley. Ty Gurley, they, yeah. Yeah, and they ran it a lot. Jer- Jared Goff just had to make one read, throw, boom. You know, guys, guys were cooking. Today was really troubling, and why I spent so much time – we're spending so much time on the offense, I think, is because, like I said, their game plan is a, a philosophy, not just always this specific game, but the philosophy generally is – if teams want to come out and stop the explosives with cloud coverage and cloud coverage, meaning how should we explain cloud coverage? 
Chris, oh, put it this way. So let's say you got DK on the outside, right? And you got like a, cor- a corner kind of sitting underneath him. And he you got to the help. flat. Yeah. Yeah. Like the corner stays there underneath DK. And then the, the safety comes and helps at clouding that side. So DK is essentially doubled, which maybe they are doing some of that, which is t- t- what Gino mentioned after the game. But let's say that teams come out like that. They're like, all right, we're going to have two safeties up top and you guys are going to have to run on us. And the Seahawks are like, well, cool. We'll run it then. Once you bring that second safety in, now you're one-on-one outside. You can't really cloud it like that. So now, boom, Tyler, DK, Marquise Goodwin, is everybody about to eat, right? The, the, today was so troubling, I think, because just watching uh, the game and re-watching some of the – before me and Chris started recording, it looked like the Niners respected the run game so much that they already came out with the safety in the box. They didn't even have to run in, them into – they didn't have to establish the run to get the coverage they wanted, essentially. The Niners were like, we'll play cover three. We'll 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 put Emmanuel Mosley over one side. What's my man named Ward? What's his yep. first name? Traverius? Uh, I think that's correct. I can yeah, double yeah. check for you. Yeah, let's go with that. They got Ward on one side, Mosley, safety up top, um, and they got your man, the Polynesian brother, in the box. That that they came out like that. That was how they came out. So it's like, all right, you can already throw. That's probably why their first play of the game was a pass. Um, but they already had what they wanted and couldn't take advantage. It wasn't like they needed to run the Niners out of too high coverage. That's why this game in particular, I'm really like, okay, this is a problem. You got what you wanted and couldn't scheme up ways to do it. It's like, this is this is your thing. Defense, I'm not as worried about because it really is a matter of like, tackle the guy with the ball you know like <laughs> that that part is like you can fix that like just tackle the guy with the ball it wasn't like there's a ton of gaping holes guys are running to a lot of guys just missed one-on-one tackles like the, the 50 yard run i mentioned with Debo. daryl taylor has him dead to right that's not a run fit issue to me daryl had him right there missed him 50 it became 50 yards because it kind of it got weird after that. You know, he cut around Trent Williams, but you you can kind of get my point. Defense, I'm not as really worried about. But, like, look at some of these – before we switch to defense. Bro, some of these offensive numbers are pretty bad, though. The Seahawks are already, at like, 26th in uh, – hold on. Let me see where they at in points per drive. Seahawks are 31st in points per drive, though. They have the, one of the worst offenses in the league. Now, it's through two weeks, but you get my point. Like offensive EPA per play, twenty eighth man. Like they are, they are already like really bad on offense, despite being one and one. I want to read some rushing stats. We got time for that, Chris? Can I read some of these? Oh yeah, absolutely. I want to read some rushing stats here. These are, I think I'm gonna steal these from. Damn, I'm shouting out everybody. All right, I'm gonna read these from the homie. Uh, the there's a thing I use. If people read my stories, you see that I cite a site called True Media all the time. Uh, so in true media, the homie Aaron Reese um, has like a little setup here where I can get to some numbers really easily. So what Aaron has in here, Chris, is a stat called uh, it tracks the percentage of runs that you have that are for zero or negative yards. So basically means you either got stuffed or there was a TFL, which is a win for the defense. Right. So the Seahawks lead the league in percentage of runs for zero or negative yards. That means that they are more than a third of the time when they run the ball, they either go backwards or get nothing. That is disgusting. (laughs) That's a problem. That is a huge problem. 
Like that, that that's huge. Now, some of that is probably correctable. It's probably just some run checks that need to be fixed. Like I watched the play today. It looks like I think Abe Lucas like ran the wrong way. Like you, you know, that that happens. I remember that happened in Damian Lewis's rookie year too in a, in the Cardinals game. You know, he just ran the wrong way <laughs> and the run got got blown up. Like stuff like that is really bad. Their success rate is really bad on the runs. It's like 32%. That's pretty awful. Like they just can't run the ball at all. You know, it was weird. Um, I asked today, I was like, I asked everybody in the locker room, I said, well, what's wrong with the offense? And then I, I followed up with Rashad Penny on that question. I said, what's wrong with the run game in particular? He's like, I don't think nothing wrong with the run game. You know, I think we'd be inefficient. Um, you know, it's gotta be better. I'm looking at these numbers, ain't nothing efficient about. Like yeah. these numbers are these numbers are bad. Success rate's bad. Let me see. Is their yards per carry at least decent? Nope. Probably not. After after today? No. They're 30th in yards per carry. Yeah. Like, which and is not a stat that I love, but everything about what they're doing is bad. Does that stat include today's game or Sunday's game against the Niners? Uh yeah, yeah. yeah. The, yeah. Uh what so the it's a little it's a little thrown off just because I think this also includes the teams that play Monday. Um, so like the Titans are in here. Um, but all the team of the teams that played, yeah, they're the, they're thirtieth. Yeah, uh, it's pretty bad. Tank Probably gonna be thirty first after the Titans play. Uh, no, the 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 only teams that are above are the Chargers and the Rams. Damn, the Rams are that bad at running the ball, huh? That's pretty great. Yeah, drop Cam Akers. Uh, yeah, like the, that's really the run stuff is bad, but it, it it comes second to me for like the throwing stuff as well, though. Like when it, if you're trying to throw, if you're trying to run teams out of too high. And a team starts the game in cover three against you, and you still can't move the rock. That's the so problem. What are we doing here? You know, it's like, what are we doing? And I, I, I feel like Chris, we're all year we're going to be talking about how come they're not getting the ball to DK. What does DK have for the year? What's DK's uh, year numbers? I don't think you want to look, man. I do. DK has thirteen targets through two games, which is six and a half a game. Which I would like that to be much higher. If I'm getting that'd be in the double digits at minimum. Yeah, if I'm getting twenty four million a year, I would like. I would like. 10 targets a game. Uh, he's got 11 catches for 71 yards. That's it. That's that's a problem. Like, I feel like this is going to be a recurring thing where we're going to be like, why is it so hard to get this guy the ball? Like, that's just. They're not making it a, an emphasis. They're not trying to. They're trying to do other things, which is we want to be physical and run the football and we'll get to the passing game. But in theory, the running game isn't there. That's why I use the Vikings as an example because I feel the Seahawks mirror with what receiving-wise, just not the running best situation because Dalvin's different. He's a beast. I get that. But receiving-wise, bro, you got DK and Tyler. I don't know. We saw it against Denver. Every time Denver went, man, what happened? Tyler Lockett getting busy, first down. I saw it multiple times. I know the Niners don't play a lot of man. They play a lot of cover three, but... Saw Tyler Lockett today get busy and get open. Okay, do the same with DK. Keep going to him. Keep going to him. Make them have to adjust and make changes, and then you can get back to the run game. But when you don't even score, the Niners are going to stay in their cover three and have the safety playing in the box all day. Yeah, I, and we will get to the defense right right quick. I, I, do, I don't want to spend a ton of time on a trick play. I'll just say this. <laughs> I'm not a fan of trick plays that require guys to do things that they don't normally do. Just general, just as an idea. That means like a fake punt is fine, 
but I would like it to be a run. Like if you snap it to like DJ Dallas on a fake punt. Remember the fake punt they had with Travis Homer a couple they've done that. Perfect. Perfect example. Because it's a it's a trick play, but it's essentially Travis running the ball. He's a Which he does. That's fine. I get that. Today they ran essentially a flea flicker. It ended with Geno Smith throwing the ball. That's fine. That's what Geno does. I don't like when kickers try to throw, when punters trying to throw. Anybody trying to throw the ball who doesn't throw or run the ball if they're not a runner. Like that, I just think those trick plays and they shouldn't be worth your time unless you have Odell Beckham because he might be the 33rd best quarterback in the league because boy, his passer rating is insane. Like Odell always throws a touchdown, I swear. Unless you have him or Muhammad Sanu, I really don't want anybody else throwing. By the so, way, Muhammad Sanu is a free agent. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right. <laughs> so is OBJ. <laughs> There you go. Uh, I think, yeah, that, that's just kind of where I'm at trick plays. So the trick play was a bad idea from, for me for the, from that. Like the execution of it was obviously bad. Uh, but I just – even if the pass was on target or whatever, like DJ said he was trying to, he was trying to bring it back in so he could run it, and it slipped. Um, Watching that replay, it did not look like it, but okay. It wasn't like – well, he said he was trying to pull it back, and he had, but he had already gone too far forward to pull it back in. So it was kind of like a – it's kind of like uh, if you have a if you're playing basketball and you and you get in that weird spot where you don't know if you want to do a floater or bank it, you know what I mean? Like you just it's it's where you got to put a certain amount of touch on. He got caught in between. That's where that's what DJ at least told told me after the game. Um, so, I, but either way, execution is not 
really my concern. It's you're asking a lot of guys who don't do that. You're asking DJ to throw the ball on the run in the rain with a glove on. <laughs> no, that's not fair to DJ. Of course the pass was bad. He don't throw. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, stop that. don't ask guys to do stuff they don't do. So that's why I'm on You want anything on the trick play before we go to the defense side? You want to talk about getting rid of it. I don't want to ever hear about it. That play should never be brought up again unless you get Muhammad Sanu or OBJ. That's it. Yeah, the, the Wildcat should be dead. There's, yeah, no reason, would... there's no reason to run the Wildcat and not include DK or Tyler in the backfield. That's the other thing about that. They stuck like four running backs back there. What? What do we do? Or at least D. Uh, yeah. That, look, I think we. I think we got a question that's going to lead us. We to have D. multiple questions about yeah, D. But whatever. Yeah. So real quick on the defense, real quick. I do think it is troubling that they planned all week for the Niners' run game, no matter who was the quarterback. Because they, believe it or not, they did plan to. If they 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 planned thinking Jimmy G could come in at some point. Yeah, Quandre alluded to that. Yeah, and I know that for I know that to be true as a fact. Um, so they 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 plan for that. Um, they planned for the run game, and they had no answers. They just could not tackle. And I think that the, the one thing they did kind of get schemed on, I think, is I, I bet maybe Pete talked about it. I miss Pete Carroll's presser, so I have to go back and read the transcript. But the Niners are really good at running like outside zones. It's basically they attack you on the perimeter. That's why a team like Seattle kind of uses a 3-4 now, so that, like, in theory doesn't happen, and they get corners who can tackle. It didn't look like they went outside much today. It looked like they were like, you know what? We see your Al Woods. That's cool. We see your Puna Ford. We can still run in between the tackles. I know. Watch this. And we're still able to do it. And that's just guys getting moved out the way. Like, who was the leading tackler today? If it was Quandre, that's a problem. Let me see here. That's that's kind of like a general rule for me. If Quandre leads the team in tackles, that's bad. Um, okay, it was Cody. It was Cody and Jordan. So that's good. That's a good sign. You know, whenever it's not them, you got a you got a real problem. Because uh, I don't think that they had nothing today, man. They had, it looked like the linebackers were non-existent. Guys just could not tackle. Like, it's one thing not to be able to tackle Javante Williams at Denver. I think he's probably one of the best. Uh, most elusive running backs in the league. Like, no lie. It's really hard to tell him. Alvin Kamara, probably Nick Chubb. Like, in terms of just, like, breaking tackles. Those guys are crazy. They couldn't tell. Who the hell was number 32 for the Niners today, Chris? What's his name? <laughs> he looked like Barry Sanders today. Something Davis Price. He must be. Yeah, a rookie. Oh, he is? Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's why I don't know who he is. That boy looked like Barry Sanders today, man. He only had 33 yards, so I guess that's not too crazy, but like it, what did they run for today? 189 yards on the ground, man. That's 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 pretty concerning, man. I had uh, I was talking to somebody uh, on the team in the locker room. I was like, yeah, the run game, you guys can fix that, right? It's just guys need to be able to tackle. He was like, I hope so. Mm. Like, that's not good. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's not good. I, I love being back in the locker room, man. Win or lose, man, it's been a fun vibe. But yeah, that was. The, the the defensive performance, I think that it felt a little bit more isolated though. Like it doesn't it doesn't feel like it'll keep being bad. Like the offense, it feels like that could carry over. Um, the 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 defense, I feel like that's going to get fixed, and it kind of did get fixed in the second half. Like the Niners didn't go crazy in the second half, but they have like a hundred yards of offense. Yeah, but I also think they were just playing out to lose. 
At yeah, some, that's at, kind of what their scheme is, though. Really, it, that, yeah. that is how they play. You know, yeah. Just a bunch, bunch of runs, and they chewed what seven minutes off the clock at the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, that's their game. You know, like when that. Yeah, that's just kind of how they get down. Let me see how many. Let's see. The, the yeah. So the Niners ran the ball for sixty-six yards in the second half. Is it? I, I think I'm pretty sure if that if that's the, if that's right the number I'm uh, I'm looking at. Uh, let's see. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's a little more. But, but the point is, they didn't just in the second half. Clearly, guys were like let's tackle better. Like I I saw one play on the goal line, and this is probably on the film. Quandre made a tackle and just looked at the sideline with both his arms up. Like, what y'all want me to do, man? I'm out here making tackles. Like I'm trying. Uh, he didn't say that to me after the game or done, but it looked like that on the field. Like, it was, that was a, that was pretty bad. So yeah, I, I'm I'm a little worried about the defense, but not as much as I am the offense, man. I feel like yeah. once you trade Russell Wilson and start Geno Smith, and you go six quarters with six of your eight quarters to start the year, you don't score any points. Yeah, man. <laughs> I need I need some answers, dog. And no one gave me answers today. Yeah, it's a tough sale offensively, defensively, definitely some question marks. Can it be fixed? Sure. The tackling situation, someone asked Pete about that, and he literally said, yeah, that was the preseason. That was guys that weren't on, they're not on the team anymore. Basically, Pete's saying, we're going to get it figured out. We're going to make tackles. Guys just didn't make tackles for whatever reason. A lot of arm tackling, guys just putting their heads down, trying to make big hits, missing. That can be fixed, I think. Yeah. I even saw Quandre miss a few tackles uncharacteristically. Yeah. Those are things they can fix. And I, and I think when they're out there for fewer snaps, too, they'll be a little better, man, because they have they were out there for a long So a long I remember in the third quarter, the time of possession, it was 27 minutes to 14. Yes, the, the Seahawks defense was out there all day, just running, running, hitting, hitting. They were probably like, dog, can y'all just score so we can get off the field? That's probably what they're at. You know, at, at certain points, they're just like, y'all just go score. We are tired. You yeah. guys are running at us the whole game, not really passing. At least it felt like that. Now, I'm sure the stats might be different when you go look at it, but from watching it live and everything, it really seemed they just were like, yeah, we're just going to punch you in the mouth the whole game and run the football every time, every time. Halfback, halfback toss here, a dive there, halfback stretch, a lot of zone blocking, just guys, guards pulling I'm just like, damn, this is physical. And the Seahawks didn't look prepared. There wasn't execution that they normally would have in the run defense. But to Mike's point, the second half, they tightened up a little bit. But then again, the Niners were just playing keep away. They were saying, yeah, we're not going to give you guys the ball. We're just going to run it, chew that clock up. Gino's not going to do anything offensively. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. Again, the only points the Seahawks saw was on special teams, Tariq Woolen making a big play. So not, I don't really have anything else to add defensively. Hopefully they can figure things out as they start to prepare for the Atlanta Falcons, who are 0-2. So that should be a game where they tighten things up on the run in the past. But they do have a challenge going up against Drake London, a nice receiver. He's been playing pretty well. So we'll see how that goes. But I do know we got a couple of Twitter questions. You ready for that, Mike? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. We can do, we can do the questions now. We got quite a few. Uh, some actually just came in. So we'll start off with... Why can't the Seahawks commit to the run? I thought Russ being gone, it would mean more balance. We're passing just as much as we used to, just not downfield with Russ, per se. 
Who can the Seahawks blame? Pete, Shane, offensive line, running backs. I can't blame Russ. He's no longer in Seattle. And that's from the homie Sam. Yeah, I think that uh, I'd have to go look at the neutral pass situations because you, you 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 can't just look at the raw numbers, really. It's like what down and distance are you looking at? You know, um, what what what's the score? Like today they were down two scores for what all but three of their drives or something like that, three other nine drives. So you can't. And then you got two minute situations that skew the numbers too. Like I don't think they what they had two two minute drives essentially. So that's going to be you know a lot more passes than runs. So I have to see the, the numbers on it. But I think generally speaking, they just haven't been good enough in the run game to get more plays. Like if you if you run it on first down and you throw it on second down. And now it's third and five. Well, yeah, you just you, you have to throw it again. So that's two that's two pass plays to one run. You do that. You have enough uh, crappy drives like that in a row. Then boom, your offense kind of stinks. I think they're still committed to the run, but when the game gets away from you, you know it's hard to stay committed to it. And I, I think that's fine. You have to do what the game suggests. You down fifteen, you got to start throwing. You know that's just kind of how it goes. But yeah, I think they're still committed. To, I don't think that's that's the issue. I think they're too committed to it as like a, we got to get this going and build off of that. That's that's tough, man. That that's tough. You need to do. You need to take what the defense gives you. They came out today trying to stop the run, and you guys just got pounded and could not could not move the ball through the air in enough ways to score points. That's the issue. How many scoreless? This one's from Michaela, by the way. Shout out Michaela. She came to the live show. Been rocking with us, showing love for quite some time now. So thanks again, Michaela. She wants to know. How many scoreless quarters would it take for Pete to make a change at QB? You know, I think that's a good question, uh, which is a crazy question. Crazy to think that that's a good question after the first half of Denver. It's like that we're right here at this point asking what it, what it would take to play Drew Locke. I think what matters more than the, the how many scoreless quarters is why they're scoreless. Like, Gino today, what, turned the ball over just once. Yeah. Like, that's not even that crazy of a game. That's pretty normal, you know? Like, yeah. It's not, it's not that bad. Um, like for example, if he turns it over once every two games, then what he'll have like at least turn throwing an interception. What he'll have like nine picks, something like that, eight or nine picks. That's that's a fine season. If the if that number goes up though, if like he's Matt our, Ryan, what <laughs> how many times? Matt Ryan threw three picks today and they got skunked. Well, yeah. Well, the Colts, the Colts are frauds, man. <laughs> shout, out to, shout out to Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts. And Frank Reich, the head coach of the Colts, they have the world confused. They they play the media game pretty well, man. They are fraudulent. They are freaking frauds over there. The Colts are never as good as people tell us they're going to be in the offseason. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's terrible. But uh, what was the question? Oh, how many quarters before Drew comes in? Um, I think it would have to take some turnovers, I think, um, more than just not scoring. That's my the turnovers by Gino in particular. Because like if Gino throws like Gino in the um part of the reason they didn't score in the second half in Denver is because they DK uh, fumbled. DK fumbles. That had nothing to do with Gino. Gino throws him got a ball, you know, whatever. Um so I think it has to be Gino turning the ball over. I think that leads to the not scoring. That's part of it. Um, but that's it. To Michaela's question. You go four more next week, Gino's out of there. You can't go 10 quarters in a row without scoring on offense. Nah, you have to, it up. you have to see what you got in Drew. 
at that point because at that point it quite literally could not get worse you're not scoring so you can't score a negative so it can't get worse you gotta put so yeah it's, it's two ways to answer that i think you, you get shut out against atlanta at home fans probably gonna be booing you you got you gotta put drew in against the lions or whoever's after that um, but also it would just take gino i think turning it over a lot this one's from the homegirl holly shout out holly appreciate all the love some people are saying it was adrenaline from beating Denver that caused the loss, but that ain't it. What do you think the ultimate problem was, and how do you think the Seahawks can turn things around and be more efficient offensively? Yeah, I don't think the idea that they were like too emotionally hungover or whatever from the Denver game to get right for the Niners have much, have much to do with it. I just think the, they were just the Niners were better. I think that was an issue. I think that the, the the game plan wasn't wasn't good. I think. I, I get the sense that guys were really frustrated with how just like individual things were going, like DK not getting the ball, um, guys not tackling, not doing their jobs. Like it's hard to just keep grinding away um, when just you got blown coverages. Like how many times today did they did they have a stop and then there was a penalty, or how many times today did they have a big play on offense or it was a penalty? That stuff was emotionally frustrating, and hard to overcome. Like the good teams do it, but it's like that's tough. He had a 50-yard play, I think, wiped out because of an ineligible man downfield. You know, like, they had a couple third down stops today, and then there's a flag on Kobe or a flag on Mike Jackson or whatever. That stuff is hard. Um, I think that those emotions were what was bothering them more than just whatever happened against Denver. I think they got over the Denver thing probably like by Wednesday morning. Like, hey, you know, moved on. Um, their social media would lead you to believe otherwise. Boy, they trolled Russ all week. They would post everything uh, all week. But I don't think the players were really on that. They were like, all right, we beat Denver. We expected to beat Denver. Let's go beat the Niners. And they just did not. But, yeah, I think I think the, I talked to a few guys about that that element of it, too. Like, it's third and nine. You get the stop, turn, and there's laundry on the field. That's 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 hard. That's that's tough. You know, it's like, ah, all right, now we stand on the field. You know, that's that's tough. I think that was the bigger issue. This one's from Jeremy Hensel. Speaking of DK, why does it seem so hard to get DK involved in the office? I mean, that is. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, they could involve him in the defense if they want, I guess. <laughs> um, I think he'd be a really good tackler. I think that the issue is, and this is the theory, no, no, no coach has really told me this or player or anything. I just think that they they get too afraid of the matchups. Not afraid. Because they always think, like, you can hear DK. DK ain't scared of nothing, to be very clear. Like, you, I asked DK when he starts watching film on, you know, DBs he's going to play. He said, I don't do that. They got to guard me. Like, they need to go watch film on me. That's basically how he answers. He's answered it twice like that now. I so, will say, they must be watching a lot of film because my man ain't, <laughs> he's not having a great start. <laughs> you should ask him, like, you should be like, DK, you know, you say you don't watch film on guys. Do you think maybe you should? Or is it just maybe the quarterback? What do you, what do you, you know, what are your thoughts there, DK? Yeah, I think, I think, <laughs> I don't think it's, I don't think it's a him thing. Though. I think he's getting open. Yeah. Like, is think, he being seen? Yeah. I think that it's too much of, all right, they rolled the coverage over there. So now I can't get it over there. Or this DB's playing this leverage or whatever he makes, you know, sometimes you gotta say, fuck it. And just force feed the guy the ball. And normally I wouldn't be, you know, I would say take, you know, let the offense just flow. But it's like your offense isn't built to just everybody get a piece, you know, like the, like the Chiefs offense. I don't think the Chiefs have force feed the ball to anybody on their offense. Whoever Mahomes thinks is open, he should just throw it to them. 
Like, that includes Kelsey. Like, if McCole Hardman one day has 15 targets, the next game Juju has 15 or whatever, I think that's fine for their offense. This offense is not like that. This is not a, a how do I want to say this? It's not like diverse in that way. It's, it's not, not peewee football. Everybody's not going to get the pie. Yeah, it's not like, it's ain't like, uh, yeah, I just can't think of the word that I, I want right now. But for the most part, it's this is a force feed thing. You you get 10 targets for DK and 10 targets for ten targets for Tyler. Everybody else figures it out. Seriously, I think that's that should be the divide or the, how it's divided up pretty much every game. And I think they're doing too much of what's essentially the right football play, though. Like, oh, they did this, so we should go look for Will on this read or Tyler on this read or check it down to Kenneth Walker on this read. I get that. You're not scoring points. You've had this issue with not getting DK the ball before. Screw all that. Get DK and Tyler the ball. Everybody else just going to have to live with it. That's fine. Tyler makes $17 million a year. DK makes $24 million a year now. Everybody else don't. They've lived with it. They've come to terms with that as men and understanding the business. That's cool. Make the stat sheet look accordingly. The stat sheet should look like these two dudes are more valuable to the offense than everybody else because they are. <laughs> they are. The reality is they are. Um, but I think part of the thing with DK, when they when they get matchups that they like, or that they that's like, they, they, the risks go down. I feel like that's the, the the answer to that question. It's like, oh, Emmanuel Mosley's on and playing really good, blah, blah, blah. We got to take calculated risks over there. Or it's Patrick Sertan last week, or Jalen Ramsey, or DK's had some games against Patrick Peterson where he don't get no catches. That's ridiculous to me. DK should have 10 targets. I don't give a fuck who's guarding that man. And But they don't have that mindset. They make the right football play or allow him to be schemed so where you got to throw it somewhere else. Which, again, that makes football sense until you don't score points. Because <laughs> the point of score, the point of having the ball is to score. You know, we, got, doing we got two questions here. This is from Chihuahua Loco. First one is offensive. What to make of the O-line? Felt like they were getting punched in, and Gino had to move it quick. Even with six blockers, the right reads were there, but couldn't take advantage. And the second part, defensively, we seem to be taking away the deep ball. Are we getting good cornerback play, or teams just prefer to punch us in the short game? Um, I'll do the defense one first. They are getting good cornerback play, and they're getting teams that want to do some quick game. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, the corners, I think, are fine. You know, they're going to have their plays here and there. That's just the nature of playing, you know, being corner. You know, you're going to have some plays where you're just, you know, you get beat or whatever, but you shouldn't have any penalties. Michael Jackson had a couple iffy ones today. Um, but I think that the corner play has been decent. They also getting some teams that want to get, get it out pretty quick. No one wants to just leave their quarterbacks on an island to get killed by pass rushers. Um, I think defensive or oh, offense, what was it, the O-line? That was the first part of the question? Correct, yep. I think actually... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The pass protection, I think, has been all right through two games. Like, generally speaking, obviously, it's not perfect every game. But for the most part, I think guys are holding their blocks long enough for Gino to get stuff out. Like, there was a couple today, for instance, 
like one of them was like third and 11. I want to say after you remember that play Gino had like a misread with Kenneth Walker and just had to just fall down. Yeah. Joey yeah. Bosa came in just, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the next play was like third and 11 or something like that. And Gino just immediately throws it to Tyler short of the sticks. And it's like, they have to punt on like fourth and two. They had another one that was like third and 12. Gino t- makes like one read and then just checks it down to Kenneth Walker. If who picks up like four yards and in my head i'm like if you got time wait you know so i i think the o-line and just from pass protection has been fine obviously in the run game it's 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 a bit bad but i think the pass protection itself has been okay like even the two sacks that gino had against denver were on gino more than they were on charles cross so yeah the early impressions of the o-line i think it's been okay in, in pass protection i think gabe jackson has some plays he won back today just kind of watching i don't know if they talked about him on the broadcast but yes he has some players today where that was that was not it um but just generally speaking abe lucas too uh but ge- generally speaking it's like when it's time to throw there's time it's just not making the throws this one's from lane smith when do you think we could see kobe move to outside cornerback michael jackson has played well but isn't kobe supposed to be the future also he might seem more comfy no i think i think kobe i think kobe's fine inside um, I think, I think Mike Jack, I'm telling you, I think the corners are fine. Like I do, I do. I think they've had, it's really, it's not like they're getting cooked. I think the, the one bad play I saw today, Tariq got beat pretty bad. Uh, I think Brandon, Ayuk just dropped the ball. Yes. Yeah. He did. He just dropped it on the sideline. That was, that was pretty bad. <laughs> and Tariq immediately got up and waved like, ah, incomplete. You Bro, know? you had no impact on that play. Homie hey. should have caught that. It's incomplete nonetheless. The ref does the little incomplete sign, whether the DB gets his hand on it or not. So I'm a fan of DBs doing that regardless. But somebody did mention that in the press box. It was like, why is Tariq waving his arms? He didn't do nothing on that. I'm like, hey, it's incomplete. All he is is signaling the sign. That's like signaling for a first down if you was the blocker on the play. It's th- the ref's still gonna do the first down sign whether you had anything to do with it or not. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, what, let me go, what was the question on that? <laughs> the question was basically oh, asking. Yeah, the corners are fine. Tariq's fine. Michael Jackson's fine. I think Kobe will be okay. I'm not like entirely sure. He had a couple plays today that were good though. Kobe did. He had one where if, if Jimmy, I think Jimmy had to throw it at like the receiver's feet because if he'd have thrown it where it was supposed to go, Kobe would have picked it off. I think that was like a third down play to IU later in the game. So the corners are fine. I wouldn't move Kobe. This one is from Golden Rod. Is Tyler Lockett supposed to be the punt return man again? Or did they simply fail to find suitable replacement for Freddie Swain? Wasn't Eskridge supposed to fill that role? Question mark. Yeah, yeah, Eskridge was. Um, and look, man, I don't know why they went away from it, but I really just think that the Eskridge experiment is going really, 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 really poorly. And I don't even think it has anything to do with ability on Eskridge's part, man. I just think they whiffed. They took the wrong guy. They took the wrong guy for what they wanted to do because they're treating they're treating Eskridge like he's a scat back or something like that. No, he can run routes and catch the ball, but he's not out there. So how is he going to do that? And I know people want to um, immediately bring up uh, Creed Humphrey when you talk about Eskridge. Like, oh, they should have took Creed Humphrey, the center who plays for Kansas City, who's been really good. The Seahawks had to need that center. I get it. That's fine. My main thing, honestly – I like taking a receiver with that pick. I've talked about it. A third receiver matters. It just should have been on Monroe St. Brown, if anything. Like, 
for real. He went to USC. He's a slot guy, explosive dude. Like he fit what they needed at the time. Pete, like a third of his staff is still from USC. It, it's no brainer pick. I don't know why they didn't do that. Not to say that D don't got talent. It's just they they're treating him like he's a seventh round pick or something like that. Like he's not getting snaps. He's not running no routes. Like it's it's just really really bad. Man, I know this was a question about punt returning, but I wanted to use this as a time to say like. It's not even a talent thing on these part. I just think that they they took a guy, don't know how to use him, and don't even care to really try to, um, and that's a shame because that's they could really use a weapon in the passing game right now. This one is from five hundred nine Hawk fan. How bad does this season have to be for Pete to retire or Jody to let him go? Oh, it's got to be pretty bad. Um, have some more games like this. Have some games like this at home. I think so. I think we talked about that before the season. I mentioned that um, they would have to get embarrassed for it to be really bad. It's not even about the wins and losses. Like, I don't think they were really going to win that many games this year. I think I said 6-11. and 11. But you can't have games like this. If you lose something close, whatever. You know, but if you get embarrassed at home or on national television, <laughs> those are the ones that really stink. Like this was just a, a game at one o'clock. You know what I'm saying? Everybody wasn't tapped in. If this was Thursday night football, it'd be a lot uglier. You know, like that that matters. You know, like the Seahawks were the lead story on ESPN all Tuesday because they played on Monday night. They won't be the lead on Monday. Trey's Trey Lance's ankle will lead Monday more than the Seahawks game will. So th- that the situation doesn't matter in that regard. So I don't think it's how it's a number of losses or anything. It's how they look. If they just keep getting shellacked. Yeah, they're at it. Everybody's gone by New Year's Eve or whatever. This one is from Yesh Nadu. Hope I'm saying that right, but his ad name is at Yeshly underscore Snipes. How will Clint Hurt create pressure with this young front seven without Jamal Adams? Yeah, I think the issue is is not necessarily not having Jamal, that he needs to create pressure. They have to stop the run first because of when they play teams like this. They play some other teams, it may not matter as much, but like, you look at the third downs that that Atlanta had, or excuse me, that the Niners had. Like when it was an obvious passing situation, they were getting pressure. Like there's some third and longs. Uchenna had some pressures. Like they, uh, when it was third and long today, the Niners were just one of five. Third and medium, they were two of four. And then let's see, on short yardage for third downs, they were three of six. So. The third and longs, they were getting off the field there. And I, I'm talking about third down because when you're talking about pass rush, you want to be in a situation where they're obviously going to throw. It's very hard to consistently rush the passer when you don't know whether you're, where your linemen don't know whether they're playing a block or they're playing a gap in the run game or whatever, or they can just rush the passer. Like I think that's the issue. They need more reps at it so guys can get to the get to the quarterback. But if it's third and three all the time, or third and four, or whatever. That's just hard to hard to deal with. So I think it really that fixing the pressure comes to first and second down for me. I think the other problem is that they're going to run into even on those obvious passing situations. They're still not a super good screen defending team. So even if it is third and eleven or whatever, now they have to now your edge rusher has to be conscious of the screen. So can he afford to fly up field or focus on beating his man when he has to think? Oh, maybe they're running a tight end screen. Or running back screen or receiver screen right here so 
they have a bunch of issues there, but they, it's not like they don't have pass rush talent. I don't even think that was the issue last year or the year before. It's getting into those situations where they're obviously going to throw and not throw a screen. And right now, that's a struggle. This one is from Andy. How much does the departure of DJ Reed affect this defense, you think? I mean, DJ is a very, very, very good player. But I, I, I really think their issues are not at outside corner that much to me. When I watch this team, I'm not like, like I told Chris this before we was about to record. I was like, you know whose problem seems to be outside corners is the Ravens. <laughs> the Ravens let Tua barbecue them. I know they, they got Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, but still, they got destroyed defensively through the air. Well, the funny thing is, Mike, you know it's coming, and they still beat you deep. <laughs> yeah, it was getting cooked. It was getting barbecued. That's a team that means like, hmm. Maybe our cornerback situation needs to be addressed somehow. Change the scheme, something, change the personnel, something there. But Seattle, who's throwing it? Where have you seen these guys getting worked? Nah, man. So I, yeah, I think the they'll they'll be they'll be fine there. They'll be fine. I think yeah, losing Jamal stinks though. But I think they can they can handle that. This one is from Aaron Cruz. If you own the team, you keeping John and or Pete next year. Oh, it's too early to answer that one, Aaron. It just, I'm sorry. It's just too early. It depends on how the season goes. What if they win 10 games? I keep everybody, you know? What if they lose 10? Well, maybe then I start firing everybody. It just depends. It really depends on how they look, um, how Geno looks. For, for for better or worse, front offices, they're basically hitching themselves to a quarterback. You know, you usually get fired if you choose a quarterback and that does not work. Like the Niners, if that Trey Lance thing didn't work, John Lynch probably out of there, Kyle Shanahan probably out of there. Now they don't have to worry about that because Jimmy G's in. But like the Jets, for example, I think that I think Sala and his staff inherited Zach Wilson, right? Robert Sala didn't Zach draft Zach Wilson, right? It was a uh, wasn't the guy before him. I want to say it was like yes, Adam. it was. Yeah, so that was somebody else. So Case yeah, wasn't it Adam Case? Oh, no, no. I think they did take Zach Wilson. I think they did. I think they did. So I, I probably need to use somebody else's example. Well, kind of like the Bears had uh, coaching staff. Um, so the Bears got – those guys came in there and got – and it's like, oh, Justin Fields is already here. So if Justin Fields stinks, it's not like whatever the dude's name is, Matt Eber, whatever. Like, all right, he gets to pick another quarterback. And if that flops, then it's like, okay, we got to get you out of here. So basically, you get, if you choose a quarterback and that flops, you're out so these guys chose Gino, or they chose Gino and Drew, however you want to look at it. If that flops, you guys got to go. So This last one is from the homie Paul Martin out of P, at P. Martin, Katy, Texas. Biggest disappointing player so far. Who are they? Mine is Daryl Taylor right now. That's what Paul's saying, or that's who you... That's what, that's what Paul's saying. Paul picked Daryl? Yeah, I mean, I have to watch. That would be that would probably be be up there for me, I think. At least from production side, I think to be fair to Daryl, he uh, they've talked about this. Uh, Seahawks have that they really wanted to make Russell Wilson scramble if he was going to scramble to his left. So that means the guy rushing from Russ's right kind of can't really get his pass rush on because he's essentially containing, you know. So it's a little tricky. But to to, still to that point, I'm not sure. Daryl hasn't had the impact I thought he would have through two games. So I think 
that's a fair one. I really would like to watch a little bit more what's going on with Noah Fan, the passing game. Um, He's supposed to be number three for sure. Yeah, let me see how many. What's what's Noah's stats look like, dude? He ain't got. I'd be stunned if he has over fifty yards, man. Uh, let's see. He has. Oh yeah. Oh, that's that's yucky. Five catches for twenty-seven. 27. Yards. That's not. That's that's. He hasn't run a lot of routes. He's only run thirty-three routes, so that's six targets on thirty-three routes, which is not like terrible, I guess. But I, yeah, I I, I would want more of that out of that position. There's just so many guys uh, that uh, there's guys that I think we're gonna be impact dudes and have just not been. They just not been. I'm curious. You know what? I want to look up Gerald Everett's stats from his first two games with the Seahawks last season to see where he compares. Because that is fascinating that he has five catches for 27 yards. What? How is that even? I don't even understand how that's possible. <laughs> like, that's someone who you traded for. <laughs> you got rid of Russ, brought him in to get receptions. Well, I guess to be fair, he wasn't that impressive either. He had three catches for 23 yards. So, you know what? It's it's fitting. <laughs> yeah, still though, I think. Yeah, that's. T- I mean, honestly, the, the, honestly, the real answer is DK. You know, like seventy-one yards in two games. Lamar Jackson ran for seventy on one play today. You know, like it's that's just not. You know, Rashad Bateman get it done. Ooh, Rashad Bateman have a seventy-five-yard catch today. That 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 that, 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 that or something like that. Yeah, just had a. There's too many high-paid corners in that game for them to be barbecued. Well, Mark. <laughs> Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, Xavier Howard, and the other dude that the Dolphins pay. Yeah, yeah that's, that's that's pretty crazy. Uh, that's tough. Yeah, they, they've got some guys who I thought were going to be impact dudes that have just not so far. They've got a lot of issues, man. I think I think the um, the offense, though, it really comes back to that for me. Because they if that if they're not going to be a, a team that dominates in the run game, they're screwed. And that could be a lot. A lot of teams are going to know what the Seahawks want to do, and that's why I brought up using the, the Vikings as an example. Then use your receivers. Use the guys that you know are top 10 in the league at their position and can make plays. Give them the rock. And if the Seahawks aren't willing to do that, then you will see more games, as you saw Sunday against the Niners, where they go up against a actually a, an okay, pretty good defense, but the offense can't get anything rolling. Because how many points offensively did they give up? What is it, 20 points today offensively they gave up? If the Seahawks can do just, I don't know, give me a, give a, you know, a field goal here, a touchdown there, maybe it's a competitive game. But to not oh, do it. And how many points? Do, they gave up 27. Well, yes. So 20 offensively, though, right? From the Niners, if I'm not mistaken? Or was it all? I'm trying to think. No, they didn't score on D. They didn't score That's on right. D. So never mind. Yeah. It was I, guess the, I mean, I guess you could eliminate the fourth quarter one, but... Nah, that was a seven-minute drive, man. That yeah, that's why when, when I said they were just just beating them down. You need your offense to do something, but this could be a recipe for the how the season kind of goes. Yeah, I, and obviously it won't be this bad. They're gonna like they're gonna they score at? against Atlanta. They're gonna <laughs> score points against every other team. That's I mean I, I don't I, know about the Bucks, bro. <laughs> nah, they're gonna score. You don't think they'll score? They're gonna score. Let's see. Right we'll now, see how good are, the Bucks are. The Seahawks are 29th in points per game 
at 12 points and damn that's pretty bad at, at well, not scoring on sunday against the niners doesn't help you mike no, that, to be fair all, it, all it, they had to do was score an offensive touchdown yeah no it does it does not oh damn and that actually includes the the michael jackson uh joint that includes that otherwise they'd be dead last because they have oh because they gave him points for the special teams yeah otherwise they'd be they would just have 17 points in two games <laughs> which is only eight and a half points a game oh uh, that is sick <laughs> yeah so they would actually be dead last although i don't know if the, so the teams they're ahead of are new england dallas and indianapolis i don't know if those teams have a defensive touchdown on their thing as well i'm looking actually now the patriots have not scored on defense or special teams the cow the cowboys have a bad offense oh dax hurt that's why yeah uh the cowboys they have not scored on defense or special teams so their points are all just offense the colts have not scored on defense or a special teams uh thing to my knowledge so yeah the seahawks basically have the worst offense in the league well we kind of saw that but i'm oh oh, that's why i brought that up i said to say that they will eventually score like last year let's put it this way last year's worst scoring offense in the league was the jaguars at 14.8 so the seahawks are going to score at least a couple touchdowns a game for the most damn 14 is pretty low though jesus christ Damn, the Jags are bad. Oh my God. <laughs> 14, 14 points a night is disgustingly bad, bro. That's that's bad. I don't think it'll get that bad, but yeah, man. Yeah, there's uh, I'll say this. If there's a team that can hold them out, that can hold them without scoring, it would be the Buccaneers on the schedule. If I just went and said who which team could really give these guys an egg, I would put money on the Bucks doing that. Not the Rams? No. The Rams gave up 27 points to the Falcons today on Sunday. The Falcons aren't that bad on offense, man. Well, then that's scary, Mike, because guess who the Seahawks play <laughs> next Sunday? Well, you know what? So I'm going to look into this um, tomorrow uh, or maybe some point when I watch film this week. The reason I bring up some of these DK matchups, and I'm glad somebody asked that um, in our Twitter questions, Falcons have A.J. Terrell. Mm. Like, he is He is real. I don't he's know really what he, good. I don't know what he did today. Um, I didn't get to see, it. but I know he was. He's pretty good. Like I know he had some trouble with Michael Thomas um, in that in that week one, but no, AJ AJ is real. So if these guys aren't willing to just say fuck it, man, throw it up to DK on somebody's plays, that's t- they, they did it against Denver. There was some throws. There was like two throws to uh, DK, maybe like three against Patrick Sertan that Gino probably shouldn't even have thrown. But he yeah, did. the one was a comeback with a linebacker under, or the safety dropped down a cover cloud, and the line and the Sertan was dropping back deep, and he just rifled it in there. DK made a diving catch, and I was like, okay, I ain't mad at it. You force feeding as you put it, Mike. Yeah, and then the 15 yarder that he had on third down against Sertan as well, where he like catches it over. His oh yeah, strength in the hands, baby. Throw more of those, <laughs> and if you're not gonna throw those because of who's on him, you're gonna have a long day. So yeah. we'll get to the. We'll get to the Falcons still. We'll turn the page a little later, but yeah, that's that's a lot for today, man. That was a pretty it was pretty bad, man. Second time I've got on a plane and watched these guys score zero points on offense, man. They got to score. 
that's just unacceptable. And they know it is too. That's why I feel no problem piling it on. You just can't, you can't, you can't practice all week, watch all that film, <laughs> pay all these dudes all this bread, and, you and all these coaches, know. these players, and score nothing. Man, the Colts and the Seahawks got shut out. Who would have thought? I could have told you the Colts, man. Them boys is frauds. But they got Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> frauds. Yeah, didn't frauds. you didn't you take him number like didn't you take him number one? In I'm fantasy? a bad fantasy player. I'm losing in every league I'm in. Yeah, and I'm like you. four. <laughs> pretty pretty bad. Um, yeah, it was yeah. The, the, the Colts are frauds. I could have told you they. Okay, you win. My bad. My bad. I won't bring up the Colts no more. Colts are frauds. Seahawks got smoked, twenty-seven to seven. They'll look to rebound against the Atlanta Falcons next Sunday. It's gonna be a long week for them boys, especially on that on that offense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no offense. Tell the truth, Monday is gonna be bad. Mm. It's gonna be bad, like it's as it should be when you don't score. So yeah, yeah, it, that is that is what it is. Um, we appreciate you guys listening to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast again, powered by the Athletic. Shout out to the company. Again, I am Mike Dugard. That is Christopher Kid. Um, we are your hosts. We appreciate y'all. Continue to subscribe on YouTube. I'll see y'all man to man on YouTube. Also, shout out to all of our Spotify, Apple, wherever you get podcasts, man. We appreciate you guys tapping in. We'll be back with a midweek episode as usual. We'll bring that goods to you. Um, until then, ladies and gentlemen, we are out. Shows you a couple of things and they finish